Imagine signing your life away for 25 years. A contract that says you will not start any new company or project in your field of expertise for a period of time that's more than half of your working life. Well, that's what the makeup artist and eponymous beauty brand founder, Bobby Brown, did. The prize for signing decades of her life away at the age of 38? A cool $70 million buyout from Estee Lauder, where she would work for the next 20-ish years. And on the very day that her non-compete ended, she started her new beauty brand, Jones Road. I'm really excited to talk to you today about the legendary beauty industry mogul, Bobby Brown. And why? Well, it's sort of sandwiched between two characters that you love to hate, Chris Jenner and Gina Reinhart. But Bobby Brown, by all accounts that I could find at least, is very well liked, has such an inspiring story to tell, very interesting characteristics that have led her to where she is, along with, as always, a very intriguing aspect of luck and timing. Find her so so inspiring. There's lots of pages from her book that I am going to steal. She seems, compared to a lot of the people that I cover and plan on covering, to have a very well-balanced life. She's still married to the same guy that she married back in her 20s. She has a family, seems well-rounded, seems very, very passionate, very, very clear um, why in her life and reason to do what she does. And I think you're going to agree with me by the end of the end of the podcast. She is just a classy lady and very inspiring story. So I'm going to first cover off the timeline, Bobby Brown's life to date, and then I'm going to get into some really interesting aspects of her story that talk about her obsession, her life philosophies, her daily habits, and what role luck and timing played in her overall story. Okay, so let's start with the timeline. She was born in 1957, seemed to have a happy childhood, born in the suburbs of Chicago, family of five, and eventually took off to to college and moved to New York City in 1980, where she wanted to start her career as a makeup artist. And she tells the story of how she got to New York, didn't know anyone, no experience as a makeup artist, and she literally pulled out the Yellow Pages phone book and started looking up makeup, model, these things like that, and just dialed for dollars and and figured the industry out. So this is the very start of a very Bobby Brown kind of activity, like very bold, just ask questions, like I have as much of a right to be here as anyone else. And she does establish herself as a makeup artist in New York. And very quickly, it seems, became quite a successful makeup artist. After seven years, she did her first Vogue cover. And this was kind of buried in her story, to be honest. As far as I can tell about the lives and careers of makeup artists, that is fairly unusual. Working on the cover of of a Vogue edition 
is sort of a, a peak career event for a lot of people in this industry. 1991 was the year that she launched her eponymous cosmetics brand, Bobby Brown Cosmetics. The reason why she did this was she was frustrated with the lack of suit or shades available to her, so she often mixed her own as a makeup artist. Back then, the makeup style was very one-dimensional, it's very you know, white face, red lip, lots of contouring, and it seemed very unnatural to her. And she was always looking for more muted, natural shades that would suit a bigger array of skin tones and colors. And she wanted to make her own lipsticks initially. And this is where this the first stroke of luck comes in here. She had a chance meeting with a chemist at a Kiehl's pharmacy who mentioned to her that he had been working on formulating some lipsticks. And she said, hey, can you make some for me? And that was actually how she first started with her cosmetics line was this chance meeting with a chemist who made her first 10 brown shaded lip colors. From there, the brand was featured in Mademoiselle magazine and she was packing orders for the customers from her home and later the brand was sold at Bergdorf Goodman. I'll get into how all that happened a little a little bit later. But it was sold in Ber Bergdorf Goodman and another high-end New York City department store before it caught the eye of a number of potential acquirers. One of those was Estee Lauder, who came and acquired Bobby Brown Cosmetics just four years after she launched that brand. It was in 1995, and it wasn't a figure that was made public, but it was reportedly $74.5 million. So that is, you know, a huge outcome, just a, a four-year-old cosmetics brand that was just sold in two department stores, very high-end ones, having, you know, with that into account, but must have been growing very quickly. And yeah, Bobby Brown signed her life away. She had a 25-year non-compete and she stayed at Estee Lauder for 20 years. When she eventually leaves in 2016, she has four and a half years left in her non-compete. In between that period, that 20-ish year period at Estee Lauder, she wrote a number of books about makeup and beauty, eight books in total. She was doing um, how-to and lifestyle segments on the Today Show and the Oprah Winfrey Show, and she continued to practice as a celebrity makeup artist, which helped to raise awareness of Bobby Brown Cosmetics. She was the creative director at Bobby Brown Cosmetics while at Estee Lauder. But in 2016, on the 25-year anniversary of Bobby Brown Cosmetics, she decides to leave. She still has that bit of her contract left. Um, so in between 2016 and when she is allowed to start a competing cosmetics company, she does a few things. She opens a boutique hotel with her husband in their hometown of Montclair, New Jersey. She starts a beauty lifestyle website. She starts a supplements, dietary supplements brand. I think, you know, she wants to keep busy, but she is not allowed to start a cosmetics company. So she finds some ways to fill her time. And then finally in 2020, her non-compete with Estee Lauder ends. And apparently the very same day, 
that the non-compete expires, she launches her second beauty brand, Jones Road, which, again, figures are not made public, but industry insiders think that that company made $20 million in revenue in its first year. So today, Bobby Brown is in her 60s, has this thriving second generation cosmetics company. Uh, I've, I've been targeted on Instagram with ads for it. It seems to be doing very well. So a couple of interesting tidbits from this story. One is that it seemed to really weigh on her, this 25-year contract, in, in two ways. One, she was, you think about, this is your, her name is Bobby Brown. This is her. And this company that she started, it's in the hands of someone else. She's still sticking around as a creative director, still probably, you know, responsible for some financial outcomes, at least for, for the first five or 10 years. But she really, you know, she sticks with it. This is her name. Imagine having your own name on a product and company that you don't completely own anymore. You would, you would want to steward that as best you could. So she does really seem to stick it out at S.A. Lauder and really gives it her all. Having said that, <laughs> a few years um, before the contract ends, she gets a necklace made, which has the numbers 1020 on it. 1020 is October 2020, which was the expiration date of her non-compete where she would finally be allowed to start all over again. So you can see that well before the 25-year non-compete ends, she already knows she's going to go and start another cosmetics company. So very in interesting there. She's very much driven by a calling, which is interesting. Some people might characterize some industries like the cosmetics industry as as frivolous or surface level, but she has a very strong vocation here. She sees her work as a calling and an honorable one at that. She's asked at one point about the public appearances she does and whether she likes that. She says, no, I, I don't. It's one of my least favorite parts of the job. And yet it's important because I have a message and I like to teach other women and empower them. She talks about how helping women feel comfortable and confident by giving them these tools and showing them how to enhance their natural beauty rather than feeling bad about themselves or trying to make everyone look a certain way, that she loves being able to channel that confidence for women. So she really has a, a big why in her life and that is what led her to not just, you know, get to the end of her non-compete in her 60s and call it a day, but start all over again and start a new cosmetics company doing things exactly how she wants to do them. Okay, now let's talk about the role of luck, timing, destiny, serendipity in her life, because this was important. Very much in Bobby Brown's life, I see you know, this phrase that's overused is opportunity is luck meeting preparation. And in Bobby Brown's case, she had a healthy dose of luck, but she also had some very striking 
philosophies that we'll get to next. But first, let's talk about luck. So the first, the, the most obvious one is when she crossed paths with that chemist from Kiel's who was creating his own line. And she jumped at the opportunity to collaborate with him. She said in a Wall Street Journal profile, I didn't like the colors, but I loved the formula. And this was the guy who would help her establish her first line of lipsticks. She wanted a lipstick that wasn't greasy, dry, or strongly scented like her mother's, but one that looked like the natural color of lips. The natural look was novel for the era when 80s makeup tended to be very bold. The chemist was interested in her idea and decided to make it for her. After creating the pro product, he proposed that they become business partners, offering to sell this lipstick for 15 with each of them getting $7.50. Interestingly, I cannot find any more information about this chemist after this point. It was clear that he helped her with the formulation. That was a big step in her progress in the brand. She went into the business with her husband and another couple, but I can't find any terms of this deal to Estee Lauder. It wasn't made public, and I don't know what happened to the chemist. All I can say is that you know, this chance encounter, you will later see she's a very chatty, friendly, um, curious person. And that was what opened the door to the first products that she made. Another stroke of luck, although, again, she had to create this, was the PR coverage that she received very early on. A friend of hers happened to be an editor at Glamour magazine. How about that? And she, so she told her friend about her new endeavor with the lipsticks and her friend asked if she could write about the lipstick collection in the magazine. And Bobby was like, why would you want to do that? And she says, now I know it's called PR. And she put her home phone number in the Glamour article and after it ran, she was flooded with orders. She was still working as a makeup artist and her and her husband, who was then in law school, stuffed lipsticks in manila envelopes and sent them off. The lipsticks didn't even have a box. So yes, she had, had a friend, happened to be the editor of Glamour. Very convenient. Um, another one, she was invited to a party and ended up speaking with someone who was the buyer at Bergdorf Goodman. And that's where she had her first retail presence. So you can see all of these things actually come about because she's very of her apartment building in New York. There's another girl in the elevator asks, what do you do for work? And the girl said, I work at a manufacturing facility in Queens. And that's where Bobby Brown ends up getting her lipsticks made and still got them made there when she sold to Estee Lauder. Although it all seems very lucky, she met the chemist, she had the friend at Glamour, she met the Bergdorf Goodman lady. These all came about because she really, like, not in her words, but she's a pro networker. She is curious about people. You know, the next person that you meet is not just a stranger, but they could be someone who changes your life. And I think that, that is, that's something I would like to take into my own life is it's very easy to jump into an Uber and zone out and not recognize that there's a human in front of you. But 
what kind of conversations could you have with these people around you? You just don't know who you're talking to and what they could do in your life. All right, well, let's talk about a little bit about her life philosophies and some themes that I identified in her life story. There's a great commencement speech that she did at FIT, the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York, where she talks about her pillars for success. One, do what you love. Two, more doing, less thinking. Three, work hard but work smart. Four, have no fear. And five, just be nice. So I'm going to weave some of those into what I have observed from her life. Some of them match up, some are new themes. The first one is around, you don't know if the person you're talking to will create your next opportunity. So this is this friendliness that has led to lots of opportunities. She's curious and that has opened so many doors in her life. Another theme is to zig when others are zagging. The reason why Bobby Brown's cosmetics was successful is that she took a completely different approach. She wanted natural colors for all, which was in opposition of the look at that time. Trust your instincts. If there's something that's not working for you, chances are other people have the same issue. Another thing that she did differently, being a makeup artist instead of having a marketing team. So teaching the makeup process may not seem groundbreaking, but in 1991, when the Bobby Brown brand launched, it actually was. This is kind of a common thing these days is to have a celebrity founder. So we've got lots of examples of this these days. You walk into a Sephora or an Ulta and there's lots of celebrity skincare and makeup brands like Laura Mercier, Kate Somerville, Dr. Murad, Nas. These are all founded by celebrity hairstylists and skincare experts and, and doctors and things like that. But back at that time, it, it was fairly uncommon. It was more like the marketing teams of Revlon and Maybelline and Estee Lauder would come up with the positioning and the product. The fact that she was a makeup artist and had worked on faces of all different shades and you know, different faces and discovered like this less is more approach and makeup not being something that you use to cover yourself up, but to enhance your beauty. And so that really struck a chord both for her and all the customers that would later fall in love with the brand. So one of her own um, pillars of success is have no fear. And this is something that's really struck from her story. She's very bold. She doesn't ask for permission. She's like, I have just as much of a right to be here as you do. So first of all, that story about her moving to New York and opening up the yellow pages and looking up makeup. And she said, I just started making calls and asking a lot of questions. She says also that her first magazine work was actually Vogue advertising. And she says, I met some woman and she said, can you do hair and makeup? And I said, oh, yes. So I went to the store and bought every hair product I could think of. I do not know how to do hair. On the day of the shoot, the model showed up and she had this short hair. I was really lucky because I would have been screwed. 
So she just says yes, knowing that she will figure it out. And that kind of boldness has paid off for her, obviously. She is asked in an interview about her philosophy on entrepreneurship. And she says, what is an entrepreneur? Someone who just dives right in and tries something. And if it doesn't work, tries something else. You don't overthink it. You don't strategize. You just do it. I started the business with partners, my husband and another couple. In four years, we were beating Estee Lauder in our biggest store. Another theme that I picked up that she doesn't call out explicitly, but kind of relates to this entrepreneurial approach in general, which is that she likes to be in charge. She says, I started out as an indie beauty brand, then somehow became corporate. I never wanted to be corporate. I never thought I was but I know I never want to be again. Again, she spent 20 years at Estee Lauder, a huge conglomerate. She says, I like to be in charge and honestly, I'm not even worried about being successful. I just want to do do things I want to do how I want to do them. So she, you know, certainly starts sharing her frustrations with corporate life. She says there's lots of layers, wasted time, wasted resources lots of corporate processes. She says about her current company, Jones Road, nothing is off the table, but would I ever sell and be part of a big corporation? That's a no, because I did that and I learned that when I am am not the best, when someone tells me something can't be done, it doesn't work for me. (laughs) And I, um, yes, I'm on a different planet to compared to Bobby Brown as an entrepreneur, but I can certainly relate to that. Being after you've done your own thing for a long time and called the shots, it's very difficult to go back into a position where someone else is telling you what to do. It either works for you or it doesn't. And finally, she says, when she left Estee Lauder with four and a half years left in her non-compete, I was frustrated. I wanted to do things right away and I knew I couldn't. So another aspect of Bobby Brown's success is she knows herself, she knows her strengths and what she is good at. And she recalls this memory of her time at Estee Lauder where she says, I was in the corporate environment, I think on the 45th floor, and I'm dressed like a corporate employee wearing uncomfortable suits and high heels. I went to work and looked out of the window that didn't open and it just never felt right. At some point when our business was flat, I said to the CEO, I'm not really able to do what I want to do. He said, what would you do? And I said, I'd move downtown. I'd allow people to wear jeans. I'd have a creative, open atmosphere where people want to be. And I'd put in a new president of my choice. I did those things and it worked. So this is pretty interesting. She is ahead of her time in creating a a more casual work environment that seems to work for everyone, takes being flat back to growth again by by doing that. And I think this is quite interesting. She could have really just checked out at Estee Lauder and and waited out the 25 years. Instead, she seems to have put a a lot of her effort in there. And finally, just want to cap off with some of the daily habits that I found out about Bobby Brown that I think are interesting. One is being confident in your appearance, and this leads to confidence professionally. 
She says, I think most professional women, especially ones who are competitive and want to get ahead, take care of themselves and want to look good. Success requires experience, of course, but also confidence. You want to look and feel your best. So she herself, you look at pictures of her, she is practicing what she preaches, very natural kind of look, obviously very confident in her own skin. Another interesting point, she's asked in an interview, where do you personally do your best work? She says, in the car. I commute to work with a car service, so twice a day I have an hour when I can do anything. I've written all eight of my books in the back seat. I come up with great ideas. Working with a team of people is one thing, but I find it very difficult to focus in the office. To get work done by myself, I need to be in a car moving. I'm great on airplanes too. So I love this so much. It, it sounds so simple and, okay, great if you can afford to have someone to drive you to and from work every day. <laughs> but I, I, I do think this is something that is more accessible than it sounds. You think about commuting, usually looking around on the train or the bus and people are watching TikTok, but Bobby Brown's getting in a car an hour each way to work and she is writing books that are furthering her career, enhancing the Bobby Brown brand. And that's more accessible when you think about all the time. People are going here and there and just checking out time, using that lull time where you are alone and you don't have people asking you questions and making demands on your time. What could you be doing with that instead? She talks about how the working environment matters. She says, I also think our office is a great place to work. We have an in-house manicurist, a kitchen with a smoothie bar and all sorts of healthy food, yoga on Mondays. I try to make it a nice atmosphere. She says she likes to stay hands-on. I don't go into the lab and mix the products, but nothing goes out of the door without my 100% approval. So that is it for Bobby Brown. I love this story. Such a feel-good story. Very empowering what I'm struck by is just how clear she is on her life's purpose and how that has sort of carried her through big periods of her life that must have been very challenging and uncertain and led her to make a decision with such conviction on the day that her long contract ended to start a new company in the exact same space, which if you're not familiar with cosmetics, looks pretty similar in terms of the types of products. But she's clearly just so clear on what she wants to do with her life. Really applaud her for that. Thanks for listening to Obsession. Please subscribe to the podcast. Really helps me out. And I'll catch you next time.